Welcome to the adventures of Andrew Briggs. My name is Andrew and these are my adventures. This is a podcast about the places I go, the people I meet, the things I see, and some of the lessons I learn along the way. So hop in and let's go. Hello and welcome to episode one. So for the past six months, I've been traveling around the U.S. in my Chevy van. I'm currently sitting in the back of it at Lighthouse Park in Port Lavaca. And it's in southern Texas, kind of between Corpus Christi and Houston. But I figure before I tell what's been going on the past six months, I would lay some groundwork and talk about who I am, the vehicle that I'm in, and the general plan I'm working my way through. So, my name's Andrew Briggs. I'm 29. I'm from eastern Washington, from the Tri-Cities. I figured I would start by kind of just laying out some of the travels that I have done that have led up to this point. So... And kind of give a quick run through of them. So, I've known probably since my junior year of high school that I wanted to get out and do some traveling. I knew my hometown and my home state was not a full example of what the world was. And obviously it's one small town and one state within the United States. There's a lot more world out there. So, after graduation from Eastern Washington University in 2014... I stayed one year at home, and then I moved to the Big Island of Hawaii in 2015. I'd never been there. I didn't know anybody there. I didn't have a job lined up, and the housing situation that I was getting set up fell through. Uh, There was a few reasons why I chose the Big Island. There was a few inspirations or things that were pushing me along the way. One was the idea of diversity. The kind of diversity I wanted to experience was in experience was in perspective and experience i wanted to meet people that have lived different lives and seen different things and could tell different stories so that was one thing and another thing was i wanted to to develop some self-reliance there was a lyric that i wrote down in my journal at the time that was was a piece of a lyric from a band this wildlife and it went um how'd it go I want to look inside myself to find the things I lack. So I wanted to develop some some confidence and be able to stand on my own two feet a little stronger. And I figured traveling solo was the best way to do that. Where I didn't have anybody to lean on. I didn't have anyone to hide behind or hide with. It's, it's just me out there. I figured that was a good way to do it. Just throw yourself out there, watch it flail around, and, and figure it out as you go. So, like I said, I had a housing situation that I was getting worked out, but I think it was a guy that was trying to scam me because a week before I left, before I was going to move there, I, or he stopped talking to me. So I didn't send him any money or anything. That's probably why he stopped talking to me. Well, either way he would have stopped talking to me, I guess. But, um, so that fell through. And what I did was I just found a rental place for a week. And when I was in that place, I made a post on Craigslist and just laid out my situation. And a, a, a couple, Phyllis and Parker, they saw my post. And they got a hold of me. And they had a, like a perfect setup. So it was a little Ohana, like a mother-in-law home or a studio apartment on the side of their house. That was, it was less than a mile from downtown Kona. It was less than 800 bucks a month. And about three miles from where I ended up working. 
So my initial plan for moving to the Big Island, another thing was, well, there's another, there's a few other things as far as diversity that I had to offer as well that kind of tie in with why I went there for work. So not only that I want to see or experience the diverse culture that Hawaii had to offer with the, its history and its, and its, and its, its language and its cuisine. And I mean, it's, it's own it has its own unique culture, but also it has its own unique landscape where it has eight of the 13 climates within the big Island. It has, you know, hot, dry beaches. It's got, um, it's got rainforest as a rainforest. Yeah. I think they're called rainforest there. And, and, uh, has like frozen tundra on top Mauna Kea and Mauna Loa also. So it's got a big range of landscapes as well. And also has, a, it's a tourist industry. So you have a constant new flow of people coming through from all around the world. And that's where I hope to work was in the tourist industry. Cause at school I had studied communications in English. That's why I communicate English real good. And I figured finding a job within the tourist industry would work well because I could I could learn to guide a group of people through an activity and that would be a good experience for me. And it'd put pressure on me because I'm kind of on stage in front of people and I thought that would be a good experience. That ended up not working out because they wanted they wanted somebody that had been on the island, you know, for X amount of time that could pronounce they wanted you to sound to say Hawaiian words and sound legitimate, and I clearly do not. So that didn't end up working out. I ended up getting a job at uh, at Jackie Ray's Ohana Grill. I worked at a restaurant there, and it's not what I, it's not what I planned, you know. But it was it was a good setup that worked out. It worked out really good in the long run. So if you're ever, if you're ever on the Big Island, definitely check it out. Super delicious food. It's really beautiful. It's fresh fish out of the water that morning. It's a little spendy, so bring a thick wallet. Maybe bring two. It's uh, it's not cheap. But since it's not cheap, I was able to make some good cash. And the taxes are high there, so my paychecks every week were about $4 or $7. But every night I'd be walking out with about 200 bucks in tips. So within the week, I'd be able to pay off my rent. And then all the rest could go into savings or I could spend it on whatever I like. And I honestly didn't get out much when I was there. I mean, as much as I imagined I would, I did a lot of hiking and snorkeling and exploring around the island. But I, what I found myself doing a lot of time is something I find myself doing repeatedly in a lot of places that I go is I developed this thing that, uh, as you'll see, I'm, I'm kind of corny and I like dad jokes and stuff, but it's this place, it's, I developed this thing in Hawaii that I call the Numfort Zone, that it's, um, it's this place of excess comfort and ease, and it's, it's this place that I, I fill with excess pleasures, so, you know, one thing you learn at school for sure is how to drink and how to smoke, so I had, I had developed these, these routines in my life, these sort of toxic routines that, that's where I derived most of my pleasure was from these things. So what I found I found myself doing was smoking way too much weed, drinking way too much alcohol, sitting in my house, watching TV, playing video games, and burying my face in my phone, just screens. And not that there's necessarily anything wrong with those things, 
it's just the excess, I suppose, that was that was making me feel unhappy and unfulfilled. And that's not really, you know, you imagine Hawaii is paradise, and, and it is to a degree. It's great, I think, to retire there. And for me, it wasn't, for some people, they could live there. It's, it's not really, it's not really my thing. And it was weird experiencing eternal spring. You know, I had come from a place that every, every year when Christmas comes around or when, when winter comes around, it's cold. And this time it's, you know, it didn't get below 70 degrees, I don't think. And it's 80% plus humidity every day. You never really dry off. And I mean, it's, it's, in my eyes, it's a great place to visit, but not a place that I want to live necessarily, but some, some that works out well for them. So I plan on staying a year. That's what I told myself. I'd stay minimum one year. I ended up staying about eight months. I, I didn't like the complacency that I developed. I met some good friends. I, I got Chris and Christian and Kate, and I, I met some good people, and and had a good time. But it was time to go. It was time to push myself a little farther out of my comfort zone, and get away from Numfort. Get away from that thing that's, that I like. I like to do that, and it's part of me likes to do that. Part of me hates doing that, but, but it's funny. I find myself going back to it repeatedly. So some part of me does enjoy that. Um, since I worked at Jackie Ray's, I was able to make, I was able to save up some good cash. You don't really expect when you move to Hawaii to save money either, but that's what ended up happening. I, I saved about 14 grand in those eight months. And I don't know how much exactly I saved. That's how much I left. I left Hawaii with, I brought some, I brought some with me as well. So I can't remember exactly, but I know when I went for my next adventure, it was, I left with 14 grand. And what I did next was I backpacked through Europe. I made a, I made a list of things that I wanted to see. And I started in Ireland at uh, one of the first major things was the cliffs of Moher and Blarney castle. And I wanted to see Ireland and I ended in Spain. Those, so there, there was a lot along the way. There was, you know, London and Bruges and Berlin and Cologne and Paris and a number of places. But I'll, I'll, right now, I'll just talk about the two places that I spent the majority of my time, which was Belgium and Spain. So in Belgium, I got to meet up with my European brother. When I was a kid, our family had a foreign exchange student who stayed with us. whose name was Arno Seymour. And at that point in time, when I was in Europe, it was now 20 years later, we'd both grown up a bit, about 20 years worth of growing. And he was now married, and he had two little boys and an awesome family. And they lived uh, in a small city called, or a small town, small village, I felt like, uh, called Montmal, which is on, it's like a suburb of Liège. And... So I stayed there for probably about two months. And how I did it was I kind of used his home as my home base. And I would stay there. And then I would, I'd stay there for a week maybe or a week or two. And then I'd go to another place that I had marked on my map. Or I would go to a place that they would suggest. So one of the places they suggested, I'm glad they, I'm glad they pointed it out. It was actually the place they got their wedding photos done. It was this place in Switzerland near... Uh, the city was Neuchâtel. But the place that was my favorite, it's probably been one of my favorite hikes I've done so far. It's, it's this, like you take a train way to the outskirts of town 
and you do this big hike up the hill and it's this wrapping white cliffside that's huge it's awesome it's um i'll say it like a french this they call it the cru des vents and I practiced, it was funny actually, I practiced saying, like speaking and trying to sound French while I was in Paris, because uh, as I was walking around, I was walking around by myself, and one of the major sites in Paris, in Paris is the, the Arc of Triumph. So I kept walking, I was just walking around all day saying that in French, which is the Arc de Triomphe, Arc de Triomphe, Arc de Triomphe. And I just walked around saying that just to get comfortable with, with the, the guttural movements and all that. Uh, so I tried to get a little comfortable with it, but French is a complex language, especially especially for me who just knows English and uh, and a couple. I know restaurant Spanish, and that's about it. Um, so yeah, I spent like I said about two months in Belgium, and it was great. They opened their home up to me like I was family, and I got to meet all their extended family. I got to go to. Um, Arno, his wife, Lori, I got to go to Lori's sister's wedding. And I, I got I felt like part of the family. It was really cool. I mean, minus the fact that they were all speaking French. It was in the French part of Belgium. Uh, other than that, you know, I felt like family and I got, and I, got, it was really cool to meet their parents. And I got to do like a, a Skype session with, with my parents and his parents and the moms were pretty excited to meet. So it was a cool experience. Um, I did start to develop another little comfort zone there in, in Belgium. I mean, it wasn't as deep as before, considering it wasn't my house and I didn't have that sort of freedom and that ability to make that happen. But I still, I still took advantage of that to a degree. And I think Arno started to notice. And also, I think he just wanted his house back. He wanted to feel well, so, so when I, after about those two months and I was about to leave on one more trip, what he told me was on the next trip that you go on, you shouldn't come back. And he didn't say it to, to be mean or like he didn't like having me there. It was partially, I think they wanted their house back. Like, you know, Lori would want to come down at night to get a glass of water or something. And I'd be down there watching TV and it'd make her feel uncomfortable so she wouldn't come down. And, you know, they just wanted their house back. And also, I think Arno, especially being a guy that had, had traveled himself, he saw kind of what I was doing. And I think it was wise of him to say that to me, to to kind of kick me kick me in the butt and get me going, you know. Um, and it made sense. And I was glad that he did it. So, from there... I took I took a an 18 hour bus ride down to Barcelona and about an hour train ride north to a place called Cardedeu. <clears throat> um and what I did there, that's where I spent another month. So I used this company online called Workaway, which if you're looking to travel, definitely check it out. It's a worldwide thing that is awesome for travel. It stretches out your time that you can travel. And you save a lot of money as well. Because what it is, is people will post a job opportunity on there at their house. And you come work that job, whatever it is. It's a big range of things. <clears throat> and I'm going to get a drink here. Um, <clears throat> so they, 
they put the job up online and you offer to work that job and that your work pays for your food and your rent and some places will even pay you cash this place that i was at it didn't pay me but it covered it covered food and rent and also an experience like that you get to meet a local you kind of get within the culture a little deeper that way and and you get to find cool little spots that you otherwise wouldn't have found so definitely check out something like that if you're interested in traveling even in the u.s because that's something that i used actually in utah on this trip also and i stayed there for over two months actually so a really good resource. So there's Workaway is one of them, and there's also another one called Woofing, that stands for Worldwide Organization of Organic Farms. Um, I know those are two major ones. I'm sure there's other ones out there, but <clears throat> those are two that you can do. Uh, while I was there, in the job that I did was there. We they had a permaculture garden and a farm. They had they had a few animals also, but mostly I worked with. They had bees, which was cool. But I mostly I worked with tomatoes and eggplants, which are two of my least favorite vegetables. But it, it was interesting. I mean, this was the first time that I'd ever lived in a place that everything that we eat is what they grow. Every once in a while, they'd go to, to town and they'd buy some chicken or something. But for the most part, it was all food that they had grown. And there was, at the time, there was eight people that were staying at the place. Uh, I think there was there was two girls that ran it, Claudia and Cleo, and two guys from Italy, and one other, one other guy that lived there for a long that was living there long term, and me and two other girls that started the same day that I did. So the two girls that started there, their names were Amagoya and Berta. Well, first off, I did feel. I felt a little weird there. I felt a little left out, I guess, because, I mean, naturally, I'm in Spain, everybody's speaking Spanish, and there's also a mix of Catalan and Italian and French around the dinner table. That's what everybody's speaking, and I could pick up, a, like, a perro every now and again or a tomato or so, something. I, I could understand a word or here and there, but I could, couldn't could understand what was going on, so I felt left out a little, which is, that's on me, you know. There's no one to blame but myself for that, but that's just the reality of how it was. So, one of the weekends that uh, we had off, uh, Berta, she had a sister that lived up north near the French border. So, we went up to, to visit her sister. And I say it was her Yeah, I think I said it was her sister. Not a friend, it was her sister. Uh, her sister lived up there. And we went to go visit her and just to do some exploring. And this is where I found my next inspiration to do the next travel. Um... Or the next adventure, I suppose. <laughs> uh, while we were there, Berta's sister's boyfriend, he was, I don't remember his name, but I remember he played the didgeridoo. And he uh, he told me a story that him and his best friend had hitchhiked across the U.S. And his best friend was in a wheelchair. And they actually recorded it and put it on YouTube and I watched it. And, I mean, they would put their tent in front of gas stations and stuff. They would just go wherever, which is not my style. But I figured if two guys that speak broken English, one being in a wheelchair, if they can hitchhike across the U.S., then I can do some hitchhiking as well. Um, I finished up my time in Cartadeu. Well, one thing that was really cool at the end of this one, what they did, was they had, the day before you left, or a couple days before you left, they would have you cook up a, a meal from your home country or your hometown, 
you know, something from, from something from home. So me being the only American that was there, I thought about doing burgers, but no, I, I decided against that. Just be, I don't know. I had made plenty of burgers in Belgium. That was something I was doing for Arno and his family. Every time I'd come back from a trip, I'd, I'd make burgers and I was each time I'd get a little bit better, which was cool. But and it felt like an, it felt like an American thing to do. But in Spain, what I ended up making was fried chicken and mashed potatoes and gravy. And there was a McDonald's that was probably, I don't know, like five or six miles away. And I took their crappy little bike and I rode my, I, I rode it over there and I got some McDonald's ketchup. And I brought that back for the dinner also. So that was the American meal. There was other things around the dinner table that night too, but that's the meal that I prepared for for Americans was fried chicken and mashed potatoes and gravy and some McDonald's ketchup. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I finished my time up there and then I headed south back to Barcelona to finish up my time in in Europe. I spent two weeks in Barcelona and actually a buddy came and visited me, Austin, who he was in the Navy and he was stationed in Italy at the time. And he came over and spent a few days and we went and hiked uh, Montserrat by near St. Gironi. And it was this crazy cliff sides also. It, it was kind of like the, the cliffs and the, the rock formations were shaped like a big half pipe. It was a beautiful, gorgeous place. Uh, also, while I was there... I went skydiving, which is, I look forward to doing that again. Some serious adrenaline gets going with that. Um, definitely something I'd suggest trying out. Um, also there, I mean, Barcelona is a great party city. So a lot of that too. And that's a good way to end, good way to end your time. That's a really common thing you'll find if you travel, especially in Europe. It's a, it's a common, I mean, it's different now with coronavirus. I don't know exactly how it's all going to play out in the future but traveling in europe basically what you do is you stay at hostels and you go drinking with people that's one of the most common things you do you explore the city in the day you come back to the hostel at night and you do a pub crawl with everybody you all get drunk and have a good time and so that wasn't any different in barcelona and we ended it we ended it hard we ended it fun and um so at that point my, I was a little worried about going back home because, or at least I was worried about leaving because at that point I had been traveling for over four months and legally you're only allowed to stay 90 days within the Schengen countries, which is I, every country I went to was within that group. You're only allowed to stay 90 days. So technically I think I was considered an illegal immigrant. Uh, so, but, so I was a little worried going, flying out because I was going from, Barcelona to Frankfurt, Germany, and Frankfurt, Germany to Portland, Portland, Oregon. And in, I haven't heard good things about German prisons. So I was a little worried about leaving from Germany. And I got up, you know, I got up to the customs. They have their little glass cage and they have their mic that they're asking me questions on. And I looked sketchy at that, that day. I had been up for over 24 hours at that point. So I was looking really tired and just I was looking rough and my hair was getting long. My beard was getting long. I was looking pretty terroristy. So I was a little worried that they weren't going to be letting me through. I think what they're looking for, 
I don't exactly know, but they they get skeptical if you stay in one place for a long time. So I I just told them that I was jumping around a lot. You know, I was like, oh, I don't know, just like how how long do you stay where? I was like, oh, I was just moving around a lot, just checking out a bunch of different places. And from what I heard, that they can they can ban you from like if they if they choose to, they can prevent you from coming back for up to a year or two years or something. And then they could fine you up to, I don't know, a thousand, two thousand euro, a fine or ban you. And I don't want to deal with any, either of those things. They ended up like kind of pulling back from the mic and talking with each other. And then eventually they let me through with no problem. So I was thankful for that. And getting back to the U S is when I actually had probably my weirdest, um, my, my, my weirdest culture shock was when I got back into Portland. So I, I didn't notice this till then, but my ears had tuned to this frequency to pick up English wherever it was. So, you know, like there's somebody I can communicate with. But when I was back in a place that everybody's speaking English, now I can't tune any conversations out. So my ears are soaking up everything and my brain is filling up. And it started to get overwhelming. Like I couldn't tune out the conversations around. So it was, I, I couldn't hear, or I couldn't stop listening to what Brad did to Steve or what Stephanie said to Ashley. I couldn't, I couldn't tune these things out. And it, it got super frustrating. That was a weird culture shock to experience. I didn't notice that. Obviously it's not something I noticed when I was in Europe because everybody around me, I couldn't understand. But now that I can, I couldn't shut it out. That was, it was weird. So I, I came home for about two weeks. Uh, I, I flew from Portland, Oregon to Pasco, Pasco, Washington. And I stayed about two weeks at home with my brother in downtown Kennewick. And then I started my hitchhiking trip. I was just going to, my, my plan was to just go down the West Coast. And I mean, it's pretty straightforward. It's... I filled my backpack with the necessities and walk out the front door. I walked up to the gas station at 27th and 395 and pulled some cardboard out of the recycle bin and I wrote my first sign. It took me about three hours to get out of Tri-Cities, which was the longest that it took me to get any ride. Some guy from Jamaica gave me a ride to Yakima. Um, from Yakima, I got a ride. I think the guy was a drug dealer. I mean, he said he didn't have a job. He drove a nice car, and he, he talked really fast. He spoke really fast. So, I mean, I didn't ask any questions. And he laughed at his jokes, and we got along just fine. And he didn't, he didn't bring me to somewhere in Seattle and say good luck. I was going to be meeting up with my... I was going to be going to my cousin Colton's house in Bonnie Lake. So, he, dro- he brought me right to Colton's driveway. And so, it was, it was perfect. Friendly guy. And the hitchhiking trip is one I definitely want to tell at some point when I get a little better at this, I think, because I've spent a lot of time trying, writing about it and talking about it and thinking about it and trying to understand more about it because it was the time of my life that I felt most engaged and I felt the most meaning and I felt the most joy out of that time in my life, which was weird to experience that I had I don't know, on a hitchhiking trip, you know, with the least amount that I have with me. And I was going through one of the worst rainstorms that the West Coast had had in like a decade. But I was had the most joy I'd ever had. So 
maybe at some point we'll go, I'll go through that story. Um, yeah, but real quick, I, I, it took about three weeks, a little less than three weeks to get down the West Coast, and I ended in Los Angeles. I spent Halloween in L.A., and then I wanted to go up for the holidays back up home in Washington. So I went and did that. I planned on staying at home for about two or three months and maybe doing some more traveling or moving to a new city and finding a job. And I ended up staying for four years. <laughs> you know, time seems to move pretty fast. Each day it seems to be moving a little bit quicker. Um, while I was in town, I met some great people and I learned a lot. Uh, I had a couple jobs that has has given me more confidence about this trip that I'm on right now. And like, if I need to find a job with the skills that I acquired at that time, if I need to find a job along, along this journey, then I think I'll be able to do it. So while I was in town and when I was at home, the jobs that I worked first was a handyman service and it was cool. Actually, the reason that he chose that he hired me was because on my resume, uh, instead of just putting education, I put education and experiences and I put the, the Hawaii trip and I put the backpacking through Europe in with my education and my experience. And he thought that was cool. So they hired me and we did a big range of things. So we did anything from anything and everything. So the name of the, the, the place is the Honeydew Crew. And we would do anything your honey won't or can't do, we'll do. So we would do anything from moving furniture, changing light bulbs, drywall patches, all the way up to laying floors and doors and windows and roofing and crawl space and everywhere in between and landscaping. We do we do a little bit of everything. I did not like the foreman I was working with, uh, so I didn't I really didn't feel like I had any control over my job. And not only that, but honestly, at that time in my life, I didn't really feel like I had control over anything. I didn't have control over my job or my family or my relationship or my living situation or. Or, or my mind, or, or, yeah, that's probably the worst one, is my mind. I didn't really have, felt, I didn't feel like I have, didn't feel like I had control over that, over myself. So, after about a year working in, at a Honeydew Crew, I, I was pretty broken down, and I swallowed whatever pride I had left, and I asked for my job back at the restaurant that I was working before I left for Hawaii. And I kind of felt like I was like I was back to square one is what it felt like. Obviously I wasn't, you know, there was experiences that had happened, but now I just kind of felt like I was a couple years older and I was right back to where I was. Um, I didn't want to work there long. And I, I figured starting at that place, that'd be a good place. I could build up a base level of confidence and, and start from there, you know? So I started serving tables there, and every time I, I wanted to work there as little as as little time as possible. So anytime they'd cut me and they try to send me home, I would give my cut away, and I would stay as late as possible. And just because I figured if I'm working today, I'm gonna stay as long as I can, and I'm gonna extract as much money as possible out of this day. Soon the managers realized that, and they ended up just giving me closing shifts. Soon that gets boring. And I um, move, asked if I could move, move up to bartending. And that was good. They, they had no problem with that. And I was able to develop some 
some more independence in a job like that. You know, more people are relying on you. People are sitting at the rail watching you work and there's pressure and you have to be, you know, especially if you want to keep up with the other bartenders, you got to be witty. You got to be quick. You got to be on your toes. And it was, it was, it was a really good transition. I feel like not only did, uh, I gained some, some confidence and some independence, but at the same time I gained a new skill. And I like bartending better where, when you're serving tables, you have to do the whole corporate, like, this is the promotion we have running, and I think you might like the... <laughs> and you have to do that whole thing. And when you're bartending, somebody walks in, and you be like, hey, what's going on? What drink can I get for you? And they're okay with that. And if you start doing the whole spiel, like, people are kind of annoyed by it in the bar. So I like that. I like the independence that was in there. And there's actually more of a team vibe in the bar... I don't know if it's like this at every restaurant, but at that restaurant, when you're serving tables, it's kind of every man for himself. And when you're in the bar, it gets so busy that sometimes you're alone in there, but if you have an, one person or on the really busy nights, there'd be three people. But if there was two of you in there, you have to be communicating, you have to work as a team. And there was a little bit more of a team vibe and everyone, we, we were kind of looking out for each other. And I like, I like the bartending. So... I figured, and I was able to make some good cash also that made this trip possible. Um, I figured with handyman experience, being able to serve tables and being able to bartend, I'll be able to find a job anywhere. I mean, everyone needs something fixed. Almost everywhere you go, there's people that are drinking. And everywhere I've gone so far, people are eating. So, that's a quick explanation of, you know, the man. Check. Uh, while... I had, I wanted to go see more of the U.S. at this point. There's a few reasons that I picked up while I was in Europe that had initially inspired me to do it. So, one was I had seen more of the of Europe than I'd seen of my own country. So I wanted to get out and see more of it. I wanted to see if you know if people that made maps were lying or not. See if they're real. If the maps are real, are they accurate? And that, and also at the time while I was in Europe, um, that's when the Trump and Hillary election was going on. And regardless of how you feel about either one, it was, it was a wild time and there was hate on both sides and love on both sides and laughter on all sides. <laughs> um, and just like Americans like to talk shit about Europeans, Europeans like to talk shit about Americans too. So I heard all the things like, oh, how do you feel about that? What do you think about this, huh? You proud to be an American or what? And <laughs> and honestly, at that time, I started to develop a negative image of what America was. I didn't like that. I grew up loving the country and I still love the country. I love it now more than ever, probably. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of problems. I don't know about more than ever, but because there's a lot of problems that are that go on in the U.S. There's a lot of corruption. There's a lot of things I worry about. But I didn't like that, and I wanted to, I didn't want to believe what the internet or what social media said or what the media said, what America was. I wanted to go out there and experience it for myself. And not that I have the be not that I have the best perspective or anything like that, but I have my own perspective. You know, I have I know what I see. Um. So that was kind of the initial inspiration for getting out. Let me take another sippy here. 
Um, so I figured the best way to go about traveling the U.S. was getting a vehicle and going to see it. Uh, the first vehicle I got was a 24-foot RV. I put a lot of work into that. I put some new, really nice flo floors in. I put some floating floors in. And it is a pain to lay floors in an RV. Especially Floors like that are not easy. So I also repainted everything. I did a bunch of little detail work. I took one of the beds out of the back and I installed a desk in there, which I plan to do some work at. Um, but after I was done, I realized that's not what I wanted. It was too big. It had too much space. I just, I didn't need to bring that many things and it was too much room for one person. And also I wanted something that I could park in a single parking spot. I didn't want to have to, you know, find three or four in a row or find RV parking or anything like that. I just wanted a spot. Like if I could pull in to a tight parking, a tight parking lot and I could find a single spot and I'd be set. So I was looking for a van, I figured it would be the best thing to do that with. I sold the RV. Actually, I sold... It worked out really well. It took a long time to sell, which was frustrating. But, it, I mean, it's an old RV. Even if you put a lot of work in, it's still an old RV. It's not easy to sell. But the lady that bought it was this old lady that worked out... It worked out great because she was going to be homeschooling her granddaughter in there. And it looked really nice. And it had a desk that her, that her granddaughter could do her work at. So it worked out perfect. And she was super excited about it. So I was happy with how, with how that ended. Um, so then I kept my eyes out for uh, another vehicle. And I ended up finding one. I bought it from a musician in Portland. Which is exactly where you would buy a van. I think that makes perfect sense. Um, so what I got is a... A 1994 Chevy G30. It's a high top van and it's nine feet high, which I've learned from drive through clearances that it's just really close to nine feet because some of the drive through clearances that are bent down a little bit, I've bumped, but it's nine feet high. It's about 18 feet long. And what I was looking, that was one of the major things that I wanted. I wanted to be able to stand up in it. I wanted it big enough that I could stretch. I didn't have to, you know, crouch over every, everywhere all the time. So there was one other thing that I wanted, that I wanted to look for specifically on it was I wanted a bed above the cab. I figured I would sleep up there, but I haven't slept up there once. It's just storage at this point. I think the real reason that I wanted a bed up there was for nostalgic reasons because when I was a kid, uh, my family we had a one of those one of those campers you put on the back of a pickup truck, and every year at our family reunion at my aunt Sid's house out in the woods in Buckley in Buckley, Washington, she had this long gravel driveway that at the base of the driveway, before we went up, my my dad and my mom would let my brother and I get out, and we'd out of the vehicle out of the truck and then we get in the back hop in the camper and climb our way up to the top and look out the front window and then my dad would drive the truck up to up to where everybody's at and that's how we would greet everybody and we thought it was the coolest thing so i think that's really the reason why i wanted a bed above the cab was for that reason i didn't think it consciously but now it kind of seems like that um I mean, maybe one of these days I'll take all the stuff down and I'll just get wild with nostalgia up there. Or maybe I'll pick up a hitchhiker along the way. Who knows? It's good storage, if anything. Um, so to give a quick 
layout or an explanation of the layout. So I wanted one that you could go from the cab to the house area in case I was in a sketchy situation and I heard somebody around the van. I could just, I didn't have to get outside and get to the, and turn it on and get going. I could just go straight up to the front and get going. So those are connected and it's open there. Uh, there's two side or there's two swinging doors on the passenger side that if you step in those, if you step up that on your left hand side is this little countertop straight in front of you is where uh, a sink is and the stove. You take a left and actually before you take a left, you're facing the sink there on your right is where the cab is. And above that's where the, the bed for the cab is. And then you, then you take your left, you start to head towards the back there on your left hand side is a refrigerator and there's a little freezer in there. There's a spot for where the microwave should be, but I don't have a microwave. On your right hand side, there's a little shower, a little shower area and a toilet. And in the back, there is a center mount table, which is what I'm on right now. And under, which is also what folds down to a bed, which is where I sleep. And underneath the two seats back here is where the fresh water tank is. It's where the furnace is, and it's where the uh, hot water heater is, which I haven't used the hot water heater at all. I'm just kind of doing the Wim Hof and just getting used to cold cold water. Um, that's the basic layout. And the back doors, it's two swinging doors out the back, and it's pretty, pretty simple. It's, but it's nice having all the appliances. So there is some work that I've done where the stove was, like right next to the sink. I actually took the stove out. Uh, because it was this big old clunky thing that took up a bunch of space and I wanted more counter space because there wasn't much. So I took that out and I bought a little two stove Coleman burner. So, and now I could cook outside. I wasn't stuck cooking inside all the time. And I mostly cook outside. Um, so since I took the stove out, I now had a hole in the countertop that I filled with, or I, I put a piece of wood there tacked it down and stained it and made it look all nice and sanded the edges all smooth and then all the countertop around the sink and the little countertop on your left hand side when you come in i did this sponge pattern with gray white and black paint and online it said it's supposed to look like marble and it doesn't really look like marble you now but it looks pretty good i'm happy with it it's way cheaper than marble for sure but over the top of all of that i did a couple coats of epoxy resin it kind of makes like a bar top feel. So I'm happy with the cow the countertops turned out. And they've they've handled all the weather really well. And they're a little scratched up, but they haven't chipped up or anything. They've, you know, they've, they're doing really well. Uh, some of the other work that I've done, I was not about to lay floating floors again. So I, bas I just got some, some peel and stick tile for the floors in the house area. That's kind of like a gray stone texture. I did quarter round as the trim in the in the cab. I wanted to do for the floor in there. I wanted to do it a truck bed liner, but from the research I did, it's not good to do truck bed liner inside because it releases toxins and you know gives you cancer and stuff. So I didn't want to get cancer at least that quickly, <laughs> this quickly. So I well, I don't want to get cancer at all. So I figured it'd be, <laughs> I figured it'd be good just to go with something else. Uh, the, what I ended up going with, I found something that was similar to a truck bed liner. It was a, a product called Lizard Skin that 
it's yeah, it's really similar to truck bed liner, but it's ceramic based, so it also reflects heat. So it keeps some heat out also. Some heat still gets through, but it's it's not that bad. And when it's cold outside, it's kind of nice having that heat coming through. When it's hot, it's not not as nice, but it's um I like the way it turned out and I don't have to worry about dinging it up very I don't really I don't worry about scratching it up at all. Um so those are the floors. What else? I repainted everything. The walls are an off-white and the ceiling's a bright white. The the cabinets are they're gray. It's a knight's armor gray, so it's also my security system. I got the knight's armor keeping me safe. I put new speakers in in the back and in the cab. Um, I put a new ceiling. I put some new ceiling panels in, like the bed above the cab. That ceiling panel right there. It looked like it was drooping down a little bit, and I figured if I put something different there, then I could get another inch or two of headspace. I maybe got a quarter inch or a half inch. But uh, the panels look really nice, and it looks smooth, so I replaced those. One of the things that was the biggest pain was making the curtains. So my brother and my mom probably remember the day that my mom came over to, she brought the sewing machine over to help, and I was I was just pissed about making these things. Because what I did was I just went to Walmart, and I bought some blackout curtains, and I cut them down to size, and I sewed up the corners and sewed up the edges to make them fit and look clean. But in order to make them stick to the walls, I I was using like a Velcro adhesive. You can see it. I can hear that Velcro. Uh, and the Velcro had this like adhesive backing to it that was really thick. So we were going to use the sewing machine on it, but it would it kept gunking up every time that the sewing machine would try to stab through it, and I was getting all angry at it and. I eventually hand sewed a lot of it. We got we got quite a bit of it done. My mom was more calm with it, so I think she got more of the sewing done on that. But I, uh, yeah, I hand sewed a lot, and my fingers got ripped up hand sewing these things. But they were, when they were done, I was happy. There's a lot of windows, and I didn't realize that until I was hand sewing curtains for it. But they're done, and I like it because they, they hug tight up against the walls, and so it feels a little less claustrophobic. And they keep out a lot of light, being the blackout curtain. So I'm happy with how they turned out. Uh, there was some work I did have to do that was... Well, inside there's three major water sources. There's the sink, there's the shower, and the toilet. And the sink and the shower both leaked. So I had to re do some plumbing underneath the sink. I had to replace the P-trap. in the, uh, the, the shower faucet leaked it was a crack in that so i had to replace that one but the one that i got actually fits better and for the way that it's designed the way that you fit the the shower hose and the nozzle and all that on there it fits better in this way so that worked out well um i think that's basically it for the work on the inside i didn't have to do much on the outside it was in pretty good shape. I mean, I took all of the silicone out and replaced that. And any place, and any place that looked like it possibly was wearing through on the ceiling, I would, you know, seal that up a little bit. And it really wasn't bad at all. And I mean, it's a camper van, obviously. So on the outside, you got. I have a propane tank that uh, does the fridge and the furnace, and it did do the stove. But since I took that out and capped the gas line underneath there, that doesn't do that obviously 
Um, it has a place it has a freshwater tank and a black water tank and a place to dump the tanks. It has a hook or a plug-in to plug in at RV sites. It has, so the, this one, what's a little unique about this one, I guess, is it has two batteries. So it has one under the hood. Obviously, that's not very unique. But also has one for the house, for the house area. And this one is not hooked up to the alternator, so it's not charging when I'm driving. And it's not hooked up to any solar system or any solar panels or anything like that. So what I do is anytime that I have power, I'll hook up a trickle charger to it and charge it overnight and that'll normally last me maybe up to two weeks or so and it doesn't because the, the battery doesn't really power much it doesn't power the outlet so i'm not burning through that uh it does the lights and it does the water pump maybe a few other little things but it doesn't do too much so as long as i keep it if i stay on it and that's one of the major things as soon as i get power i always hook up that trickle charger and get it going it's actually charging right now um what else on the outside there's Really, not much to it. I mean, I got a couple roof vents. Oh, there was one custom thing that my brother made that was it was worked out. It's perfect. So my brother works with metal, and one of the things that it has it has these two. I have these two vents that are like pull down vents. It had a handle that you you pull it up and down, and um, it's for one's above the sink and one's above the shower area. And it had these little plastic handles that immediately broke when you tried to use it. So my brother made these like custom little metal handles. So thanks, Alex. They're they're perfect and they've been working out great um yeah i think that's the majority of the work that's in here that i've done to it i did bring it over before i left i got a buddy ben who's a mechanic and i brought it over to, i brought it over to his house to have someone that knows about cars take a look at it or knows that uh, works with cars every day and we didn't do much he said it all looked pretty dang good i mean i uh we put the, we put a new air filter in, we did a coolant flush, I mean, not much though, but it was nice to have a mechanic look it over, and a buddy that I could trust, and just say, oh, it looks good, man, that, that, it gave me a little more confidence that I wasn't just going to blow up on me along the road, not that that really happens, but, <laughs> you know, I, I had faith that it was going to be running strong, so some of the tools that I brought... Well, actually, first off, before that, since I don't have a generator, I did buy something to replace that. I didn't want a big old generator because I don't really have a lot of room to be carrying that around. And I just didn't want to deal with it. It's loud and whatever. I just didn't didn't feel like I needed it. But I bought something instead. I bought this DeWalt power inverter that I'm pretty disappointed with. It's... um. So it's like a five-in-one thing. It has four USB outlets, has two regular outlets. It has an alternator check and a jump starter, and it has a compressor. So when I bought it, I sent my little compressor that I brought home, and the first time I used this compressor, it broke. And at this point, I think I can get like two charges out of it, uh, two, two, two laptop charges out of the thing, and it dies. And it was like 250 bucks, so I, I'm not happy with it. I don't suggest getting this tool. I don't suggest getting that power inverter. If, if you're going to do something like that, buy a real generator. Or just go without it, you know, and do the solar system. Um, let's see, what else? Some of the tools that I brought. I brought a bunch of power tools, probably too many. A bunch of hand tools, probably too many. 
Uh, the power tools, I got jigsaw, sawzall, a couple drills, a multi-tool. And as far as hand tools, you know, pliers, wrenches, screwdrivers, pry bar, hammer. Kind of the basics of whatever I'll need. I did get like a set of uh, automotive wrenches just in case. One tool that has been easily my favorite tool was a gift from my brother, actually. That's a It was a small utility shovel. But I'm an idiot because I I broke it. So a few, probably about a, a few weeks ago or a month ago or so, I went out into Davy Crockett National Forest here in Texas and uh, did some off-the-grid camping for 10 days. I called it solitaire refinement and just went away for a while and got away and you know, I was just alone out in the woods for a while. And I was dealing with some anger, <laughs> so I took the shovel and I used it like an axe on a tree to purge some anger, and it broke. And I felt like an idiot. My favorite tool, I broke it out of anger. So, lesson learned, I guess. Well, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> uh, I kept the spade end of it, like the head of the shovel, so I could use it. I could still use it to dig holes just not like a real shovel it's just a piece of sharp metal but i got stuck on the beach at padre island and had to dig myself out with that and then i lost it in the sand so now i'm shovelless and that's one of the things on my list and it's definitely if you're looking to do a trip like this i definitely suggest getting a little shovel it's super handy for digging out fires and if you get stuck and you know moving the earth wherever you need it to be uh, so that's an important tool for sure. Um, some of the things I... Let's see. Any other tools? I think that's basically it. I'm sure there's some other little things. Knives and stuff. But um, Some of the things I brought for fun was I brought my guitar and a longboard. I brought some books. That's kind of fun. I brought a tv which i've used just a couple times i have to be hooked up to power to use that and normally if i'm hooked up to power i have other things going on rather than watching a movie or something but i brought a little dvd player a blu-ray player and some dvds uh, i brought all this this technology stuff and i mean a phone has about endless entertainment in it so if you need that you got that i got a fishing pole yeah, that's uh, basically it for fun. Learn to entertain yourself. Some of the things for clothes I brought, I mean, you know what clothes are. It's pretty straightforward, but I wear pretty simple amount, simple clothes. I would suggest as minimum, minimal amount as possible. Should be a little easier for the gentleman, but uh, basically I wear, I wear simple clothes, black shirts, white shirts, hoodies, flannels, jeans, underwear, and socks. Again, you, you know what clothes are. I have a little a little closet in the back that is it doesn't fit normal size hangers so I had to buy some baby hangers and they kind of work sometimes I'll open it up and things will fall off but you know they work it's something uh, I will say for clothes some important things a rain jacket I realize I need to get a new one because I have, I have this really nice one that I like, a Patagonia torrent shell that I've had for a long time, except for I think it's it's just it's just worn out. It's 
I mean, now it kind of just soaks up water rather than re reflects it or, yeah, it, rather than rather than keeping water out, it kind of just holds on to it and you get all soppy. So that's something uh, important to bring is a good rain jacket. I do have some ponchos, so I'm set still, but uh, also hiking boots, a good pair of hiking boots. There's some really nice ones online. Jeff, definitely check some out. I got some of my favorite ones that are, they're wearing out, but I've had them a long time and definitely an important one uh also some flip-flops or as this lady so sassy sassily told me in hawaii they're called slippers so make sure you bring some slippers because if you plan on showering which i would suggest doing uh you're gonna want to use them in public in public showers that some of them are pretty nasty some of the places you go some places i go i don't really worry about it because they're nice and clean and I just washed my feet last, and I haven't had any issues with it, but that's me. Uh, there's definitely places that you're going to want them. There's I've ran into some nasty bathrooms, and you're not going to not shower in some of those places. If you have an opportunity to take a shower, then take it. I mean, I have a shower in here, but I don't use it. I've only really, I haven't used it to fully shower once. I've used it to rinse off a bit, but it burns through water really quick, and it just gets water everywhere. I just, I don't want, I don't want to deal with it. It's it's nice for you know washing your feet or something like that, but yeah, it's 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 kind of a pain. And it's right above the toilet, so it's just it's just not ideal. But if I need it, it's there. I will say a few other things that I found that are useful is a shovel, like I said. A sleeping bag has come in very handy if uh, you find a place that's very cold. That is obviously that's what sleeping bags are for. So that's a suggestion that I would say is important. Um, I got some blankets, but you know, the, the cold can kind of cut through right through those. And the sleeping bag has kept me very warm and saved me on some icy nights. Um, a first aid kit I've used a bit. And one thing I'll say, if you're looking at doing some hiking, maybe grab some moleskin. It's the stuff that you, you put over, you put on your skin that prevents you from getting blisters. That's a really useful item to keep in your first aid kit. Uh, also something that's going to save you money for sure is, uh, if, as long as you plan on going to national parks, which you definitely should, they're amazing, um, is an adventure pass. So, or a national park pass. I don't I think it's called an adventure pass. They're 80 bucks. And so I th I'm sure you can buy them online, but what I did was I just bought it at one of the parks that I went to, which I think they sell it at all the parks at all national parks. And any national park you go to is going to be 15, 20, maybe 25 bucks. And this park, 80 bucks, will get you into all the national parks across the country and other places too. So that's definitely an investment to to go for, I think. It'll definitely save you money for sure. So that's basically the van in a very quick way. Um, the general plan I'm working through, there's not much of a plan. That's kind of the plan is to not have a plan, is to be able to go wherever, whenever, and leave whenever I want, and stay as long as I want, and yeah, that's, I mean, I do have a general idea, so my general idea is just to do a big lap around the U.S., I'm just going to take a lap, I, uh, I got over, actually, I got 249 pins right now on my Google map that are, that I kind of just have a ring around the, around the U.S., and of different parks, and different, uh, tons of different points of interest, that I want to see some America stuff. 
Um, let's see. What else? Oh, yeah. So, I... A quick explanation to why I'm doing this, I guess. One reason it's... It's to kind of just be a verbal journal, just to track what I'm doing. It's really cool that we have this technology nowadays that I can sit in the back of my van and I can post it online and my friends and family can hear it. It's it's wild. I mean, I'm nervous about it too. It's kind of weird to be nervous and consider I'm just sitting in the back of my van by myself. But at the same time, I know know how vicious internet culture can be. (laughs) So we'll see how it goes. I'm sure someone's probably offended by something I said. But that's just the world we live in nowadays, and you can't let that stop you. Um, my goal is not to be offensive, obviously, but that's that, that may happen along the way. Uh, yeah, fear is fear is not a reason to stop. Well, it is a reason to stop, but it's not a good reason to stop. So we'll push forward. And I think also maybe on a little more serious note that we're living in crazy times, you know, and life is hard regardless, but well, even the times that right now it's, I talk to a lot of old people. For some reason, old people are drawn to me and they always tell me, you know, you know, they're like, you know, I've been around for a long time and I've seen some crazy things, but nothing this crazy. And that's not encouraging at all. But what, what I have found for me the best thing to deal with, not only the craziness of the times, but the craziness of life and the challenges of life is to strengthen the individual, is for me to strengthen myself. So that's what I'm going to use this as, as a place for me to get better at saying what I think in a clear and concise way, in a way that other people can understand. And I'll use the internet as an online gauntlet, you know, I'll just use it as like a, use it as a sharpening stone to get better at expressing my ideas and my thoughts. Um, and also when I out here, I can't be falling into a comfort zone. I can't be, I don't have enough comfort to do that, which is part of the reason I'm out here. But also if I'm not drinking and I'm not smoking, I'm not doing these things. I need something to replace that with. So that's what this is as well. So I do need some feedback. If you have any questions, or comments if you have concerns you can keep those to yourself i have plenty of those of my own Uh, i'm setting up an instagram page just for this thing for this for this podcast it's uh, the adventures of it's adventures of andrew b on instagram or my personal account is andrew al briggs on instagram or if you're still an old person and you email then you can email me at andrew al briggs at gmail.com uh I figured the next episode I put out, it's going to be Washington through California. That was just about the first week of the trip. And I moved through it pretty quickly. It's it's places that I'd already been, things that I'd already seen, and um, I was new to this form of travel. So that'll be the next episode I put out. And again, let me know if you have any questions because that'll help me get better at doing this. And also, I don't really know what questions that people may have anymore because I've been out here a while, so I forgot what questions I may have had beforehand. So if you have any questions that I didn't touch on here, send them my way, and maybe if I get enough, I'll do like a Q&A sort of thing. 
other than that, uh, I appreciate you taking time to listen to this. Um, uh, thank you. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.